Hello, 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 and welcome back to Justice Society in Conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about the interconnection between LGBTQ plus and religion. Today, we have Greg joining us from the podcast Out Loud. Greg, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So I guess before we start, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast? Sure, of course. Um, my name is Greg Thompson. I am the host of Out Loud LGBT Stories of Faith. Uh, it's a podcast that's, that I've been hosting for the last four years, and um, it's it's basically all about um, the conversations about spirituality that don't always happen with queer people in the world. Um, but it was one of the questions that I asked right away when I came out. Um, I was born and raised Roman Catholic um, in Virginia, um, and I uh, got really involved in my faith through campus ministry in college. and really um, really got to know my faith and my spirituality almost before my sexuality, um, or at least I wasn't honest with myself enough about my sexuality uh, before I matured more in my faith. And so um, and so when I came out, I was, uh, I guess, 23. And um, I had all these questions right away about how do I keep my faith? How do I keep going to church when everyone who is supporting me, who's in the queer community is saying, just give that up. Don't even bother with it. That's not going to help you right now. And um, I started reaching out to other people I knew um, early on from college who had come out and kind of navigated this question. And then I went to uh, Vanderbilt Divinity School. Um, I graduated there a couple of years ago, but I brought that question there and I met a ton of people who were um, wrestling with that too. And so it's been... Um, so that and that was where where that was where and when I started uh, this podcast was just to interview my classmates because I thought they were fascinating and I wanted a way to ask them how they navigated that territory and um, and then we've continued it ever since um, into the greater Nashville community which is where I where I'm located now um, and we're and we're kind of gradually extending it to just like the South in general to kind of capture uniquely Southern voices because of how prominent religion is here um, and really how prominent queer people are here. We were the largest percentage of queer people in the country are in the South. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's the work I'm doing and that's kind of how, that's the, that's the short version of how I got here. <laughs> so I guess just to start off, what do you think about the intersectionality between religion and being queer? If there's anything I've learned from talking to a lot of people about this, this intersection, it's that both are really fluid. The, the intersection of these two things is just, is totally messy. It's like, it's not a four-way stop. It's not a traffic light. It's just, it's a buzzing traffic circle and it's, it's all over the place, but, um, but there's a lot of change and people can go in lots of directions. And, um, and I think it's really important that we um, acknowledge that um, just from a religion aspect that you might you might believe something different after you've kind of taken some time to really question what you've been raised on, if you've been raised in a particular church. And likewise, it's, 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 it's important to respect that people are questioning who they're attracted to or that they're questioning like how they feel in their bodies and, and what, what gender works best for them, how, and how they want to express themselves. Definitely. And I know you talked earlier about how um, really you dived into your faith before, I guess, discovering or coming to terms with being queer. And if you're comfortable with me asking, how did you being a part of the LGBTQ plus community um, really change the way you approached your faith? And I guess like during that period of time. Yeah. 
Um, it changed a lot and I didn't want it to. I think when I came out, it was, I was very staunchly like, I'm going to keep being Catholic and this isn't going to change that. And no one's going to take that away from me. And I was very possessive of my faith. Um, it changed in a lot of ways, <laughs> um, but I think, I think, I think my faith has stayed mostly the same. It's just sort of how I practice it has changed a lot. And a lot of that for me has to do with moving. So like I grew up and in Virginia and, and have lived in various parts of that state. And when I moved to Nashville four years ago, that was the first time I really lived out of state for an extended period of time. And so in Virginia, I knew which churches I could go to in the Catholic church specifically that I would be accepted in. And I wouldn't have to, even though the Catholic church has strict doctrine against homosexuality, I knew which churches I could go to where people were like, well, we don't care about that. And when I got to Nashville, I had a really hard time finding that. And I, um, and I think a lot of folks in the South have this problem, but I think a lot of folks just do in general, because it's not always clear where to go. And those churches that are that are a little bit more accepting, aren't always like waving a rainbow flag outside. And so you kind of have to get to know people. And so being in a, a transient economy, being in a transient generation, um, I think a lot of us maybe struggle with this, um, where you move to a new place and you don't really know exactly where to go. But all that being said, um, I think it's, it's really, um, it, it, it was really challenging for me to find a church where I felt like yep, this is where I belong. And this is what's sort of checking the boxes for what I'm used to church being. And so, um, so I've really, um, I've been spending the last several years kind of deconstructing my faith, which is the, the buzzword right now, <laughs> and sort of deciding what I want to keep and what I want to set aside. Um, I believe in a lot of what the Catholic church teaches, um, but not all of it. And, um, and sort of how I express it has changed a lot over time. Another big factor for me too is my partner's atheist. And so we moved in together when we moved to Nashville. And so that was another big like tectonic shift in my, in like my expression of faith, because I wanted Sundays to be something we still shared. Um, because I think church is really about community for me. And so for me to just peel off and go do my own thing Sunday morning feels very foreign. Like I feel like I got to go to church with my family. And so Sunday mornings are usually Michael and I watching Saturday Night Live or CBS Sunday Morning or just like some relaxing program and making a big breakfast. And that's kind of like our ritual. And so I'm learning what church means to me um, outside of the normal confines. And, um, and then I make church in other places. I, I have a, a morning ritual in, in this room I'm in right now where I just lay down my yoga mat in the mornings and I pray or meditate and, um, and, or do some stretching and do some, some yoga practices. And that's, and, and that brings me peace, just like reading the Bible and kind of studying scripture can bring me peace too. And I still do that from time to time. Um, so it's, it's very fluid for me, um, at the moment and, um, and yeah, just kind of continues to evolve. So you definitely talked about like how that changed your identity or how um, 
rather like it almost evolved right like your um, connection with your religion and so with that I also wanted to ask um, obviously we see a lot of representation or portrayal of religious LGBTQ plus members um, through entertainment or media I guess I can't say like we see a lot of it but like we, we do see it right um, and so I was just wondering like how do you think the portrayal of religious LGBTQ plus members in the entertainment industry uh, really affect like the interconnection of the LGBTQ plus community and the church and the society which I guess like in this case we're talking about like the social issue or like um, the social standing of this social issue for like a lack of better words because as we know like uh, a lot of youth really look to the entertainment industry yeah. um, for like just knowledge or to see a, see a character um, figure something out and then they're able to figure themselves out kind of thing so I guess thoughts on that? <sighs> Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's not the best. Um, it, it, we got a lot of work to do uh, on this side of things. Um, because for the most part, and I think rightfully so, um, when religion gets portrayed in a queer person's storyline on a television show or in a movie, um, it's often, it, it's often a bad experience. It's often, and, and that is often the case for a lot of folks who come out in a church that just doesn't affirm queer people. Like that's just, and, and that's been a lot of the experience um, that many folks have had. And so I was just, um, I just saw this clip that Billy Porter posted yesterday, I think on his Instagram, he was it being interviewed and he, and he was so incredibly emphatic about how, when we, his words were, when we come out, the moment we come out, our spirituality gets taken away from us. It's as if we can't have that anymore. And, and he just, oh, he, it gave me chills because he just put to words exactly how I felt when I came out. And it was great to see an actor say that because I want to see that experience shared a bit more on the screen. Um, I think, uh, you know, I grew up watching Kurt on Glee coming out and, um, and, you know, Cam and Mitchell on Modern Family, that was kind of like what I was seeing in high school and when I wasn't even out yet. Um, and then I don't even think they, we had religion in a lot of the storylines. And if we did, it was, it was kind of minimal or it was just kind of like, we don't want to do that. Um, and quite honestly, I see that kind of tendency in my partner who's atheist and, and church is something that has felt harmful and it's sort of just the 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 kind of knee-jerk reaction is just to cut it off and just to not um, have it around and that's a perfectly acceptable reaction to something that's harmful like you don't have to keep that in your life if you don't want to and that's 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 a legitimate choice mm -hmm. um but what i what i do believe is that we are all spiritual beings and i see that in my partner in the way he talks about how nature informs his work and how much peace it brings him to just be outside and how he can't he's an architect and how there are moments where he can't explain things that are happening in nature or just in how our lives unfold day to day and just coincidences or surprises that kind of unfold in our path things that are out of our control that kind of require or, or kind of insist a little bit of faith <laughs> in in the in life unfolding the way it's it's meant to unfold and not the way that we you know, feel like we need it to unfold. And so I think there's that need in all of us to believe in something beyond ourselves, something outside of ourselves. Um, and 
we don't address that like overtly in the media. And I think we could so that people can know it's okay to, to have that. It's okay to, to stake a claim in some form of spirituality, whatever that means for you in this world. You don't have to cut it off if, you, if that doesn't work for you. The idea of spirituality and LGBTQ plus members, like you said, it's basically like it's either or you can't have both, at least in the yeah. eyes of like modern day society or um, most people anyways, either for a lack of understanding or, you know, it's just the struggles that the queer community is facing are just so large that it's not something they've come to um, really think about. But I think as we talk about religion and LGBTQ plus members, um, it really shows us like how uh, there really needs to be more diversity of like the community as a whole um, represented in media and the entertainment industry. And obviously this goes for um, various different experiences with religion um, and also perhaps like uh, more realistic or not even more realistic, but different um, negative experiences, but then also the positive experiences um, yeah. or like the in-between because I think like really all we're seeing is like, oh, they're kicked out um, from the church and their house and that's basically kind of what it is. And that happens a lot. And um, obviously that needs to be um, told as like a story, but really there are like so many other things that really need to consider um, when we think about uh, the intersectionality between both of these topics for sure. So Yeah, and well, and just real quick, like I think, I think we're getting to a point too where um, and they were even making fun of this on um, Saturday Night Live this weekend on one sketch I saw. But we're, we're, we need to, we're, I think we're getting to a point where we've covered that experience of queer life quite a, quite a bit. It's not going away. It's still a problem. Um, and, and so it, it, it's still fair game. But I think we do need to capture queer people who are thriving in the world, not just suffering in the world. We need to capture that. And there are shows that are doing that. Um, but it's it, this is part of that that experience is that there can be queer people who are who are doing exceedingly well for themselves or who are just doing exceedingly well with their or have an understanding of their spirituality and have kind of overcome this question of how do I balance my faith and my sexuality and um, and I think we can see more of that. And that's, that's you know, it, the, the, the experience of being kicked out is actually something that doesn't come up on my show very often. And that's, that may be attributed to the fact of just like who I'm reaching out to and who I'm talking to. But for the most part, almost across the board, a lot of the folks that I've interviewed have had really good experiences coming out. Um, and they've had really good experiences with their parents. That's not always the case. Um, but and some of the and some of them have had great experiences coming out. A lot of them have had great experiences coming out to their family, but it's the church that hasn't accepted them. And then they've turned around and found a way to make church still work for themselves, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, and I know we've been talking about this, but really like uh, showing this full diversity of the queer community as a whole and all these different experiences. Um, going back to what I said about like how a lot of youth really look up to these shows or um, forms of media for like almost in not inspiration but like just as different experiences that they can also take and apply to their own lives is yeah. really important like there are so many um, youths like queer youths who are very deeply intertwined with like their spirituality um, and like the church or whatever religion they're from and I think for a lot of people, once you like when you see something that 
genuinely like represents what you've been going through and then maybe it has like a couple discrepancies but then it really like shows you um a lot it, it really it's almost like a life-changing kind of thing especially for these kind of things right like um yeah. for for your identity as being a queer person and also your identity as being someone who's religious um and so really i just think like just going back to those two things it's it's really important um because as we grow in the world of technology and all that kind of stuff like representation and realistic representation is like increasingly important most yeah. for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah and those were voices that i you know i i looked to those characters on tv and and i think i think i got a voice in my head for a very long time that i had to choose between faith my faith and my sexuality um before i came out i think it was just kind of a subconscious like binary that I, I knew it would have to be one or the other. And, um, and so, yeah, I, but I had this weird faith when I came out that I was like, no, there are other people who have asked this question. Like, I'm not alone in this. And that's why I started, that's why I started this show is because I felt like there's got to be other voices out there. And then, and then I found other podcasts doing the same thing too, and, and was really encouraged. And, and I think we're, I, I think we're getting that ball rolling, at least in this little corner of representation. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so excited for that. Honestly, it's, um, I think like actually this goes for a lot of social issues, but uh, sometimes honestly to a certain point, I think like when when you're radicalized or whatever for whatever social issue it is or perhaps for like a variety of social issues, um, I feel like everybody at a, at a stage in the radicalization or like progress to becoming an activist or whatever more aware yeah. kind of thing um they really kind of at least I think I was at the stage like last year like they get really angry because of how slow things are going mm-hmm. um and it's true right for a lot of social issues um and obviously the only thing we can do is really push for more change um and I like preferably not a snail like place yeah um, but I think you know, really pushing for and exploring these different avenues for these different social issues. Um, that's definitely going to help us um, all proceed in creating more change and really like moving past, um, I guess, each step in really like uh, solving the social issue, um, in this case being the acceptance of queer people. Uh, and that's just something I wanted to add on uh, for there as well. So yeah, it takes time for sure, but it's worth it's worthwhile. Oh, most definitely, for sure. <laughs> um, and just to move on, I guess, like, to more of the, um, I, not, not like, controversial, but, like, popular topics, I think, especially regarding um, the church, so, like, Catholicism, Christianity, and uh, being queer, I wanted to ask, um, I guess, from your view, what enables homophobia, like, specifically in Christianity, because uh, from my experience in the church, um, because I was Christian for like a certain period of time. Um, obviously there was like the book of Genesis and that argument was that, oh, like God made male and female according to the book of Genesis and they have to like complete each other and procreate. Um, and that just kind of like transferred to the natural order and therefore like the natural law argument. Um, and also the verse in Leviticus, which was if a man lies mm-hmm. with a male uh, as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination and they shall surely be to put to death. So that's Leviticus uh, 2013. Um, and then outside of the Bible, it's also like some people consider St. Paul's letters, which um, were included yeah. in the Bible and he condemns homosexuality, homosexuality and like things like that. Um, however, 
when I explore this topic, um, there are also a lot of people saying, like, obviously in the Bible, um, there are verses that are like, you can't wear mixed materials. And I mean, like, everybody wears like polyester and like things like that, right? And just like a lot of multiple scenarios that aren't really applicable to, to today. So I guess um, diving further into that kind of topic, like thoughts on what enables homophobia in the church? Ooh, um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's just 2000 years of history. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's tough. I mean, I think, yeah, all the scripture you just cited, those are the main, mm-hmm. some of the main areas that come up in, in the Bible, the new Testament, the old Testament, um, that, that are sticking points for people. And, Um, like most arguments, you can find a side on, you can find two different sides to how to view those passages. Um, and, um, a lot of it has to do with, um, a a lot of the more like affirming side of interpreting those passages has to do with historical context and just, um, and just kind of looking at what people were, what people knew about the world and about humanity at that time. Um, and then also what their motives were at that time too. Um, and there are some weird things in there, like you mentioned that we don't approve of today that they approved of then. So it's kind of a, it's, 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 it's culture. It's, we're looking at the culture of then and trying to slap it onto the culture of today. And it doesn't, it doesn't really jive super well. Um, and what's probably contributing the most to the culture, um, today in the in in the United States at least is the religious right and the politicization of these uh, of these kinds of issues um because it's it's sort of been a way to other another group of people and then sort of create opposing tribes in in this country and so it's been something it's just interesting to kind of see how homophobia um and likewise like abortion rights and the pro-life movement like how those stem out of like the 1950s and like a lot of the suffering we see of like the AIDS pandemic and just or the AIDS epidemic and and the and the overturning or not the overturning but the the opposition to Roe v. Wade that's that that's all rooted in kind of the mid-1900s of of America and but we're seeing it still come up because this has continued to be these have continued to be divisive because a certain political party has wanted it to be divisive and I I don't like to get into politics but I feel like this country has gotten so divided that it's almost impossible not to we don't talk politics a lot on my show but um but it is it is what is informing homophobia in this country. I, I think one hundred percent when when preachers are telling their congregations who to vote for instead of letting them make uh, a a discerning decision on their own, um, and when belief gets really entangled with with law and order, um, it, it, it's not um, it, it it's not really what this country was founded on, which is separation of church and state. Um, and so it's, there's just a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of ways I could answer this question, but I think it really boils down to the interests of parties who are a bit afraid of people who are different from themselves and, um, 
and don't want that people who are different from themselves to be in power, to be in control. Um, and, and I want to understand that fear and I want to understand, and I want to humanize these issues for people. Cause every time I walk up to someone and tell them who, who doesn't, uh, who, who doesn't support gay rights, but like people in my family or friends, like we've been able to have good conversations, whether we agree or disagree. When I, I came out to a lot of people, when I finally decided to come out and we could still have conversations. And what I think we need to do is just to talk more um, to people who are different from ourselves, from, from ourselves, and then we can get over this, this issue and all the issues behind it. But that's going to take some long, slow and steady work. <laughs> but, but that's, that's my hot take on it. <laughs> and you brought up like politicized, um, politicalization. Oh my God. Um, but a tricky word. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but as you were talking about that, um, I was thinking about how actually, I mean, okay, if we were to really get into this, this would be like, like, it, it could be like another podcast. On its own. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much, so much, so much, so much, you would have to like dive deep into like the history. Um, but like, generally speaking, I think it's safe to say that um, obviously the topic of like corruption in church is very prominent. Um, and mm -hmm. also the connection between the church and colonization that is also very prominent um, in the politicalization inside those two um, topics and issues. Um, and obviously also like social influence throughout the history. Um, and like you said, like what people knew about the world at the time at the time that the Bible was written or whatever was written is very different than what we know now, right? Yeah. Um, and also like culturally, hugely different, vastly different. Um, and not to forget like mistranslations, right? Obviously this is history. There's a lot of history behind it. And like, there are also mistranslations to explore or perhaps the concept of mistranslation to explore and the like of that. Um, and so I just thought that was a really big point that you brought up because oftentimes I don't think enough people think about how, um, I guess the influence of humans and it sounds kind of stupid because re religion is like inherently um, related to humans, but like the influence of humans, um, especially humans in power at different points in time um, yeah. and their influence on religion, especially how like a prominent religion one was like, especially way back then, like it was completely like, you know, each country had like their own kind of thing. And that was that. Um, I think not enough people think about that. And although obviously like faith, um, a lot of people don't like to bring politics into it it's like an unavoidable and I think it's an important thing to um, consider like you said regardless because the fact is that there is relation between the two or between like the five whatever topics we're talking yeah. about um, and yeah I guess just something else I wanted to talk about was code switching between um, your time in like a religious community and also um, the time that you spend in like a queer space so like from your experience growing up did you ever like behave differently in your um, Catholic community compared to like an LGBTQ plus space and like anything like that? It's a great question. I, huh, it's one I haven't thought of um, be, because for me, it was like one big switch when I came out, which sounds kind of odd um, because probably other people in my, who are in my life and observed me kind of like probably saw me act differently in some spaces. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking of like, I was, hmm, 
Yeah, like I know, um, because I'm queer as well. Uh, yeah. And I was Christian for like a time being. Um, yeah. I think honestly, looking back, like for me, um, I was a lot more tame in in church. Um, like I definitely was like goody two shoes. Um, and not that that's bad, but like I think my personality. Um, I really like toned it down um, and also like the things I would say um, because like I like the church that I was at um, that I no longer go to like they don't accept like homosexuality um, yeah. whereas like obviously in the LGBTQ plus space it wasn't only I guess like oh hey like I'm queer and I'm proud of it kind of thing it was also the way I acted and the things that are associated with certain like gender roles or um, certain topics like, topics that like you would talk about so like for me if I ever talked about like a show or something I was like oh my gosh like they look so hot in there or something um like I would never be able to say um do it in like a religious um space even if it's like a youth religious space um and obviously yeah. there's like, a lot of things right because there are so many things that correspond to like your gender role or like um what you should be I mean I think that really plays into being queer as well um that was for me anyways but yeah you know, it's it's interesting. I think if I had come out in high school or in college, I probably would have felt more of that, like having to be a different person in different places. As I'm thinking about it, my experience, I think I, I think I was pretty honest about like what I loved. Like if it was like some crazy show or like I was I was very involved with my campus ministry and I like lived with a bunch of other like. Catholic men one semester or one year in college and like very kind of like straight manly kind of I mean it was it was just it was just a straight heteronormative environment and but at the same time I was leading music for our worship services and like we would have parties and we'd be singing Phantom of the Opera at those and even with the guys I lived with we'd be singing Taylor Swift in the apartment anyway I don't know <laughs> I think I was kind of myself everywhere, but I would say like, I think as, as an, as like having come out more as an adult, like, I think I, I don't necessarily like code switch as much as I like endorse or don't endorse things. Like I don't show up to spaces where I feel like I can't fully be myself. I won't be a part of your community. If I don't feel like you really care about me as much as the next person in the pew, if you're not willing to say, to say anything on your website or in your service about queer people and your full and total inclusion of them, I'm not really interested in showing up because if you're not even going to say it, then I'm then chances are the space just isn't going to be very inclusive. Um, but that's kind of the wall I've built having just tried different churches and um, over the years and having having had to do that um, in a new place. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think for me, it's less code switching and more like just showing up to the places where I don't have to do that. Um, Cause I can't, I'm a terrible liar. I can't like when I, like after I came out to myself, like after I accepted that about myself, I, I it only took me like a, a month to eventually like come out to my family. And, and within days really, I was already talking to friends and just kind of um, running the idea of like, <laughs> <laughs> of of being out by other people like I, I I can't keep a secret for very long um and so that's just my personality but but yeah I can't be in spaces where I can't be myself uh, I would rather just not show up <laughs> mm, definitely I, I definitely see that and it's actually I think it's kind of interesting because 
um, like I'm still a teenager and you're obviously like an adult. Um, and I guess like uh, code switching at different stages in your life um, can be unique as well. Because like yeah. oftentimes like as a youth, you don't really have a choice for like where you are at. Like I yeah. think like a good percentage of kids in church, like, I mean, we all know like um, the stereotypical like, oh, like I'm here because my parents told me to be here kind of thing. Um, and, or like even just like there, it's just as, as like a kid, you don't really have freedom over the things you choose to do. Um, yeah. And so I think like definitely it really is dependent on the environment that you're in. And like um, very much so as like we've talked about through my experiences and your experiences. And that was like really interesting too, because um, again, like it's really just fully connected to um, how much freedom you have or like how, how, how you can express yourself or where you can express yourself um, and how many of those places do you have around you. Uh, and so yeah that was definitely interesting to talk about that's really helpful to hear because that's just what I was thinking when I finished talking was like well that comes with a lot of privilege like to just not show up in a space um (laughs) and that I mean that could be just privilege of like where you work and like what how you know like privilege in the like economic sense but privilege in the independence sense like if yeah like you just said like if you're just being forced to go to soccer practice or or whatever it is like yeah, you might not want to show up there. I think I think it's just important though in general, as long as I mean, I think code switching probably just happens and naturally like it's gonna happen. You're I mean, it's it the the reality is sometimes we're just different people in front of different in front of different people. Um, but finding that one place where you belong is so important. And for me, it was often music and the arts and and I just ran with those people and I and what I found, what I've, what I have found looking back is that those people I surrounded myself with that I just was naturally like, it just enjoyed being around are, are still the people that are affirming me for who I am today. Um, and even though I came out way after we met or way after we had most of our formative experiences together. Um, and so I think I think it's just important to find those people that you want to run with. That, that was the advice my mom always gave me. It was sort of like a survival thing. Like you got to like find your pack in high school. You got to find your table <laughs> at lunch, but like, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's important. It's good to find your people. Um, and, and it might not be exactly who you want to be with. Um, the club you want to join might not even be offered at your school, but like, but finding something adjacent to it, something that's near it, um, that are just are people that you like to be around in general. Like, that that is that will help you relax (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure um and like honestly it's it's such an interesting I think experience to talk about like um the queer experience with like code switching um and I think not only in like religious places and vs like queer spaces but also like um I think really the biggest extension is places where you're not accepted as being queer which is obviously like who you are and your identity, um, whereas like places where you are accepted. Um, and I think like, say the experience of someone who um, was always able to be comfortable where they were and then going into a place where like, they've come to the realization where they're not, that's like a unique experience in and of itself. Obviously not a great one. We would like every place yeah. to be accepting. But, but like, it's reality. Mm-hmm, yeah, and it's reality. Uh, whereas, or like vice versa, right? You go from um, really being in places like everywhere, like it's suffocating, you can't express yourself whatsoever. And then you go to somewhere where 
you are able to express yourself. And I think as unfortunate as it is reality, um, the truth is there are so many different things you face, right? Whether it be like, I don't know, the realization that there is, there's still so much to do, or perhaps like just coming to terms like, oh, I can be myself again. Um, and obviously there are like even more unique experiences. Like you could, you could probably name like a hundred of them, right? Every, every experience is uniquely different. Um, but I think that that topic uh, is, I think, something that a lot of queer individuals question, um, yeah. especially for those who start off in a place where they're not um, able to be themselves. Um, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, I guess also just moving on, um, we did also want to ask you if you had any advice for um, like people or queer people who are struggling to see how uh, faith and queer identity can go hand in hand. And actually, as I say that, um, also people who aren't queer that are struggling to see how faith and queer identity can go hand in hand. Because I know from my experiences, mm. obviously as a queer person, like I struggle to see how faith and queer identity could go hand in hand, but also for people around me who aren't queer, I know that they also struggle to see how faith and like a queer identity can go hand in hand because um, it's almost that I think it's, it's pretty similar between the two, but it's like, well, this is my religion. Shouldn't I just like follow every single thing that like my pastor tells me because like yeah. they know more than me, right? Inherently, shouldn't they be correct? Um, and I think that's like a struggle that a lot of people go through, especially um, religious queer people. So if you have yeah. any advice for either group, really, I, I think the advice I would have for for anyone would be to just ask like, what is church to you? Like, what does it, when I say that word, what does that, what does that bring up for you? Because I, I think I grew up thinking that like everyone was just like extremely pious and praying all the time. But when I ask people that question, a lot of times they say like, oh, it's, it's like the people, it's the community. It's like the family that we, that we build at church. And it can be a lot of different things. It can be, it can be ritual. Um, it, it can be, um, it can be the ritual of getting together with your community and doing like a, a bake sale or something. It can be, um, it can be the music. A lot of people, it's the music. Um, it, it, it really, it, or it can just be scripture. Like it's just, you, you, you find peace hearing scripture on Sunday. Um, or it can be much more personal. It has nothing to do with community. You just show up, you sit in the back row, you do your thing, you walk out and like, you have your own like internal prayer life or, or whatever. Um, and so I think, I think it starts with that um, and, and, and asking yourself, like, what, what, is, what, what does church mean to me or what did church mean to me? And what do I want to keep in the mix? Um, so like for me, church is a lot about community. Like it's a ton about community. Um, and then it's also like this internal life that I have of like when I was in, so like when I was in college, church was um, go like perf like playing music with the choir, um, reading scripture in the mornings. I had like a really great, very pious scripture reading practice in the mornings. Um, I'm I'm a total perfectionist, so if I can like check the box on prayer, I was doing that, um, and. And it was the community, it was who, it was the get to, you know, it was just the people being around people, feeling a part of something in, in the service and then afterwards and just knowing people and being known by other people. Um, and so for me, like I, and I think that's a really, actually, I think that's a really big piece for me is like this idea of connection, like is undergirding all of that. Like it's connection through music and our voices coming together. It's connection through 
what I'm reading is connected to centuries of, of guidance and wisdom and the community that comes together is, I feel connected to those people and I'm in the same room with them. And so, um, so yeah, I think, I think for me, it's, it's finding those elements of connection um, that still work for me today. It doesn't have to be expressed in the exact same way. Um, it can look a little different, but I think a lot of us queer or straight, um, Jewish or Christian or Muslim or, or Buddhist or, or atheist and not participating. <laughs> like, I think we desire, uh, I think innately we desire a sense of connection with one another. There's something magical about being at a concert and singing along to all the same songs. There's something tribal about going to a football game and chanting all these cheers. We love that kind of stuff. Um, and we haven't had that a lot in this past year in the pandemic. And I think we've seen how much a lot of us need that. Um, and then there's something much more personal, just putting headphones on and listening to your favorite song and just jamming out to it and feeling like someone gets what you're going through or watching a show like we were talking about earlier and feeling like someone gets me. It's, it's this idea of feeling like we're not alone. We can get through this together. And a lot of that is faith. Um, and so I think that's, that's what I think <laughs> is that uh, I think all of us desire something like much deeper that, than just the word religion or church. I think it's a, it, I think it's a connection to one another that we so often um, lose hold of for whatever reason that we're always just trying to get back to in some way. And we have ways of doing it. It's just been shifting a lot in the last couple of decades and we're having to find new language for it and, and, and find how we're going to express it for ourselves and make those deliberate choices and not just show up on Sunday, but like really make an effort um and it takes a lot of work but it's worth it <laughs> for sure um and i guess that definitely talks like with um i think also a struggle that a lot of religious people see i i guess there's to be more um straight people and not queer people because if you're queer then then you're just queer like, you can't do anything about that um but for like uh a lot of the straight people that i know that are religious at like some point um because a lot of people that i know that are religious like they grew up being religious um i know there are definitely people out there who really like it since they're not queer it's hard for them to come to terms with like well how how do you connect the two how do I like oh like I know someone who's queer but how would I say support them while also like almost like staying true to my religion um and kind of thing um and I think mm -hmm. you put it perfectly obviously you really need to understand what church means to you and yourself and like at the end of the day um a lot of it is really just connection um with a lot of people and um or or that like relationship that bond um and so Anyways, just wanted to yeah. add that. <laughs> well, and for, for, for people who want to be true allies to the queer community, like just maintaining that connection with people you know who are queer is so important. Like I have friends who, who still go to Catholic church on Sunday. I have many friends who still go to Catholic church on Sunday because I grew up in that world and I don't fault them for still going to church on Sunday. Like, because that, although that's something I'm not doing as often these days, like I, that's, I've, I'm always of the impression of like, you do you, you do what works for you, do what gives you that connection. But I've maintained the relationships and I have felt supported by the people who have come up to me and still wanted to know about my relationships 
and and likewise my faith since coming out. Um, those people who I, who I had those conversations with before I came out, who have maintained those conversations with me after that, those are the people who are doing it right. Those are the people who are doing the work. Mm-hmm. And there are also people who are kind of protesting and 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 by by not showing up to those spaces and by finding other avenues for their faith who are, who are more actively involved in some way or another but i think just maintaining the relationship with with queer people um is is a sign of camaraderie that is that is important that i think faith does become a bit of a hitch for people it kind of keeps them from from feeling like they can be associated with that person much like a church might say to someone who's been divorced and and they're not you know they're not really seen as you know holy in this community or not seen as like respected in this community anymore mm-hmm. um it's important to still reach out to those people because they're human too um and and they belong in some way oh for sure um and with that thank you so much for guesting and yeah. before uh, we end things off, I did want to ask you for our audience, uh, where can they reach you? Obviously, you host a podcast, and that would be a lot of podcasts on all streaming platforms, but like anywhere else, anything you'd like to promote? Um, you can um, you can check out the podcast, um, my podcast at outloudstories.com. Um, you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at outloudstories. Um, we've got some, we just finished up our, uh, our fourth season. And uh, we're kind of, we're, we're gearing up for some new, um, some new things that I can't really like promote yet. Uh, but, uh, you, but you'll get, you'll be the first to know if you follow us and especially if you get on our email newsletter, um, which is um, on our website. So, um, so give us a follow, check out the show um, and say, hey, shoot me an email. Um, I'd love to hear from you. All right. And with that, thank you all so very much for listening into our episode and we will all see you next time.